The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to get an in-depth look at this week's opponent who's coming into Lincoln Financial Field at 1-0 on the season, the Los Angeles Rams, who did us all a solid last Sunday night by beating the Dallas Cowboys in their opening week. Uh, So we're going to get a little bit of an inside scoop on what's going on there with the LA Rams. And uh, I'll give you my predictions on the game coming up at the very end of the podcast. Well, the Eagles have the LA Rams coming to Lincoln Financial Field this Sunday. Of course, we won't be there to see it in person, but it'll be on our TV screens. And uh, we'll watch the Eagles try to once again conquer conquer Sean McVay. Uh, Doug Peterson's done it twice already. Can he do it three times in a row? We're going to get a little bit of an inside look at the enemy this weekend, the LA Rams, with Kenneth Arthur, who's the managing editor for Turf Show Times. Uh, you can follow Kenneth on Twitter at Kenneth Arthur S. Kenneth, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you so much. No, thanks for coming on and doing this. I mean, it's always good for us to be able to get a peek behind the curtain of what the upcoming opponent is going to do. And, you know, we've followed the Rams to some degree, but obviously uh, we don't usually see you guys uh, on the schedule. We didn't see you guys last year when you went nine and seven and uh, missed the playoffs for the first time in a few years. Um, So for this week, as the Eagles are getting ready for this L.A. Rams team, this was a team that last year I predicted would take a step back a little bit because the history of Super Bowl losing teams making the playoffs the following year has been pretty remote unless you're a New England, unless you're the New England Patriots. And so it just seemed like kind of a step back year. And it's kind of what happened, although I think the Rams did a little better than I thought they would. This year, they've gotten off to a really good start. They went out and did us a favor, beating the Cowboys in week one. Thank you very much, by the way, 20 to 17. What was working for McVay and the Rams uh, on Sunday night as you were watching? Defense, you know, um, early on there was obviously this, the Rams could not have won without an early touchdown drive, their first drive. Uh, A lot of that had credit due to uh, Sean McVay and the play calling, you know, the script, I guess, as it were, as people like to call it, because that stuff was working really well, especially with Robert Woods, who had 87 yards after the catch. And I think 50 or 60 of those came on the first drive or two and that was working really well so you know Robert Woods is one of the best receivers in the NFL at 
sort of making plays with the ball in his hands, and that's something that they want to do as much as they can, uh, fly sweeps, uh, whatever it's going to take to just sort of get the ball in Robert Woods' hands. And I, that worked really well against a Dallas defense that probably is one of the weaker defenses mm -hmm. in the NFL at cornerback. So uh, when looking at a team as well, I guess, like the Philadelphia Eagles, I would say that if Jared Goff is put in that position early on, that's where they could have some success. But as I stated in the beginning, defense was really the key here. Um, you know, Aaron Donald had a, a sack on the, his first drive, didn't have a sack after that, which is uh, just how good Aaron Donald is that yeah. you kind of scratch your head and go like, oh, I can't believe he started with one and didn't end with three, you know? Right. Uh, so Aaron Donald always works. Jalen Ramsey, he had, I think, um, a couple of maybe bad plays or plays that he would like to take back. But I think that that is something that is acceptable. And otherwise, he helped make a couple of the biggest plays of the game late in the game to help seal the victory, uh, drawing a defensive pass interference penalty there on uh, C.D. Lamb, I believe it was, or Michael Gallup. Uh, I can't even remember. So, uh, <laughs> But it was one of these good players that Dallas has, and he is a good player himself. So Jalen Ramsey you know, could be the top cornerback in the NFL. Uh, they have a new defensive coordinator named Brandon Staley, and he's 37, and he doesn't have that much pro experience. And it's kind of like Sean McVay said, he's looking for, he was looking for his own Sean McVay, and uh, that's who Brandon Staley is to him. And um, it was a very good debut because they held the Cowboys to 17 points and did so with pretty much a very uh, ramshod linebacking unit that is, has lost a lot of players and uh, had to sort of come together at the last moment. So uh, defensively, things looked better in week one than a lot of people had predicted. Um, so that was definitely their strength as well as um, early, the early script there with Robert Woods. Yeah, I mean, to be able to hold the Dallas offense, which I think most people came into the, into the season thinking was going to be one of the two or three best offenses in the league was, was pretty impressive. And uh, with the Eagles, uh, they obviously had a ton of trouble stopping Washington's front last week with the eight sacks given up. Uh, some of those were on Carson Wentz, but a lot of those were on the offensive line with Lane Johnson not being there. You had a right tackle in Jack Driscoll, who was uh, making his, uh, his rookie debut as a, a fourth mm. round pick. And you had uh, Nate Herbig, an undrafted guy whose ceiling is somewhat limited and I'm being kind there. You had Jason Peters, the future Hall of Famer over at left tackle who didn't play like a future Hall of Famer. He played like a guy who's approaching 40. And so the Eagles have these issues on the offensive line. It sounds like Lane Johnson is going to be back this week, which will be a tremendous help on that side of the line. Nevertheless, Aaron Donald and the Rams defensive line have to be licking their chops at what they saw on film from week one against the Washington football team. Uh, how much of a how much of a problem is Aaron Donald and the rest of that line going to be for an Eagles offensive line that has some big time question marks right now? Um, probably somewhat. You know the the defensive line obviously everything really stops um, starts and stops with Donald and just the fact that he really is. Uh, you know, there's, there's two or three or four guys in the NFL right now that can call themselves the best player. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Aaron Donald, 
you know, these are the short lists, uh, I think, of players, maybe a couple others that I just can't think of right off the top of my head. But um, this is definitely it. So Aaron Donald is still as good as ever. And uh, probably that's probably the best thing going for the Eagles, you know, having one of the best centers in the NFL. Yeah. But, you know, as far as Donald playing away from Jason Kelsey, you know, and, and attacking the what they're working with at guard right now because of Brandon Brooks injury and all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, certainly Aaron Donald will be drawing a lot of attention, which opens up more opportunities for maybe Michael Brockers, who almost got away in the offseason. He signed a three-year deal with the Ravens, and then that um, got negated because of a failed physical. So he came back to the Rams, who had already signed Sean Robinson uh, from the Detroit Lions to a three-year contract. And funny enough, the reverse happened. Sean Robinson uh, went on NFI, and he we don't know if he's going to come back this year. And Brockers has been healthy, and it's uh, the, the Rams are very lucky to have him because Sean Robinson didn't uh, end up mm. – uh, playing so the other guy is going to be Sebastian Joseph Day, who was basically a full-time starter last year. He replaced uh, Damon Sue uh, from the year before, and he's just a whatever kind of player. Uh, very, uh, very nice guy by all accounts. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the probably the most active leader on the team in the community. Like mm-hmm. he's very active in that uh, social justice and uh, this kind of thing, um, but. Uh, as a player, he just kind of, at this point, maybe, maybe there's more to come, but he just kind of plugs a hole and he he does that. Interestingly enough, the Rams got pressure with Leonard Floyd, another free agent signing in the offseason. Um, a lot of fans probably aware of the name because the Chicago Bears drafted him, I think, with the seventh overall pick. Uh, four years ago and he didn't really ever develop that pass rush for the bears the rams signed him to a a one-year deal for uh, up to 10 million dollars to replace not really to not really thought to be directly replacement of dante fowler who had i think 12 and a half sacks last season and went to the falcons they also lost Corey littleton a pro bowl linebacker to the raiders so that's Mm -hmm. like what i'm talking about with all the linebacker changes so then floyd comes in who really is a strong run defender, uh, and that's thought maybe, okay, at least he'll help with the run defense. But he was pretty uh, interesting to watch, and then he had a late sack on Dak Prescott that helped uh, the Rams' defense. So I might look for um, Leonard Floyd to potentially be a part of that or uh, what – a lot of people have been expecting would have been Samson Ebucom, um, who some people would remember because when the Rams beat the Chiefs two years ago on Monday Night Football in that crazy 54 yeah. to 51 game, I believe that is when Ebucom might have had an interception for a touchdown. I could be mixing that up. A bit, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the pass rush really doesn't come from anyone but Donald, typically, we think. But then Brockers had a sack last week, Floyd had a sack last week. If Donald's drawing those uh, double teams and triple teams obviously uh the rams hope that some of these less uh highly regarded players will take advantage can we expect a new defensive coordinator to to dial up uh more blitzes than you would normally see to come after carson wentz because i mean carson wentz did not 
The Eagles did, and Doug Peterson's been taking a little bit of a hit on this this week for not getting uh, Carson out of the pocket a little bit more, not having him bootleg a little bit, design rollouts, mm-hmm. which is just stuff that Carson's great at. And some of the speculation is, well, he had a kind of a groin injury towards the end of training camp that everybody said was not a big deal. And he was asked about it uh, this week during his news conference, and he seemed to bristle at the idea that Carson would be hurt, and that's why they wouldn't design any runs. That all being said, I think the Eagles will try to want to move the pocket a little bit this week, especially you get Carson away from Aaron Donald to get him going to the to to the right hand to the right side of the offensive line and 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 get him on the move. Do, do you see uh, a, a larger blitz package? I mean, how much is is the new defensive coordinator into blitzing? Jim Schwartz never blitzes. How how, how much is the new DC and and in LA about blitzing, or is he just looking to get get pressure with the front guys? Um, well, I you know we have one game to go off of at this point with uh, Brandon Staley, um, and I yeah, and I realize uh, that uh, you you know that, and then there's uh, with no preseason, it's been very difficult to to dial up uh, what yeah. he dials up. You know the fact that Sean McVay did part with Wade Phillips after three seasons uh, mm. would suggest that he wants to do something different than Wade Phillips, uh, which means that it's hard for me or anyone really at this point to uh, ascertain what that'll be. So with one game, how they defend the Cowboys is going to be much different, I think, than how they defend the Eagles because of their differences in personnel along the offensive line at wide receiver at this point going into these games. Um, but it'll definitely be interesting to watch because in week one, I know that Micah Kaiser, who is an inside linebacker, he had the most blitzes with four, which was as much as, uh, the rest of the, uh, defense combined. Um, Mm -hmm. so he had four blitzes. The reason that I really focused on Micah Kaiser is because pro football reference said that he also missed seven tackles, which is the That's most I've ever heard of. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, you know, the, and the, and uh, you know, turf show times commenters who felt that that wasn't a, as big of a deal said that he was drawing attention away and, and creating opportunities for other people. And uh, you know, that he had some good plays and, and in Micah Kaiser is a guy who, um, I think he was a seventh or fifth round, excuse me, as a fifth round pick a couple of years ago, missed his entire rookie season, had won a starting job or excuse me, played, I think, as a rookie, had won a starting job going into 2019 alongside Corey Littleton mm-hmm. would have been a great opportunity for him. But then he got injured and missed the entire season. So he came into 2020 with no career snaps. And uh, wow. that's after two years. And so this was his first real game. Uh, on defense and uh, he did a couple of good things he had seven tackles but then he missed seven tackles and he blitzed four times but he didn't really create any pressure himself uh, that I was aware of Um, but Aaron Donald had four QB hits you know there's uh, maybe some other stuff but there's there's not um, a lot uh, going on with that evidence at this point so it's kind of just a wait and see and we want to see yeah if it's going to be uh leonard floyd getting involved more with uh blitzing or uh anyone in the secondary perhaps but uh, at this point uh we have just an an unexpected four blitzes from kaiser but we'll see Mm -hmm. if that changes 
I think one of the other areas on the Eagles offense uh, that could potentially be an advantage for them, as you mentioned, the, all the turmoil at linebacker uh, for the Rams having lost some guys is utilizing 12 personnel, utilizing Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard on the field at the same time, those intermediate spots on the field. Uh, we saw Dallas Goddard able to get downfield last year, last week for a, for a long touchdown from, from Carson Wentz. Zach Ertz is more the possession guy, but he's got, aside from the fourth and three drop uh, in the fourth quarter on Sunday, uh, has uh, really good hands and is very dependable uh, tight end. And uh, the, whoever the Eagles put in the slot, it could be Rager, it could be Greg Ward, it could be maybe they have the, the rookie John Hightower in there every once in a while. But getting those matchups, it sounds like, and also Miles Sanders out of the backfield, if Sanders is, is healthy, which I think everybody's hoping uh, that he will be ready for, for Sunday's game, that could be, that could be something that uh, that the Rams may have to watch out for a little bit is, is matching up with 12 personnel. How do you feel defense could match up against the Eagles if they go heavy with 12? Uh, as far as coverage will go, you know, it's, it's another situation where, un- unfortunately, there's not a lot known. Uh, mm. Kaiser. Yeah, you got one game, played. right? <laughs> well, yeah, well, Kaiser has never played before, and so he's only had one career game. Uh, they lost three of their four starting linebackers. Uh, so they're, 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 they're not playing the same players that they had last season as well for the most part. You know, Corey Littleton was uh, well-regarded as a coverage linebacker, which is why the Raiders gave him so much money uh, to mm-hmm. come play for them. And they also signed Nick Kwiatkowski. Uh, there was very, anyway, that's about the Raiders, but uh, <laughs> you know, the Rams, you know, that was a loss. And then Nickel Roby Coleman was the, was their slot cornerback and now with uh, the Eagles, that, we're, we're very happy about that. There you go. You know, obviously. Yeah. So that, that's something that they just simply lost. And, uh, and I know Roby Coleman was, I know at least PFFs, one of their top slot cornerbacks. So um, that's a player who has been replaced potentially by Troy Hill and the slot because last season, Troy Hill started on the outside opposite of Jalen Ramsey after he was acquired from the Jaguars, of course. Um, but Troy Hill was an outside and now, and then they had this guy, Darius Williams, and they drafted this guy, David Long into the third round a couple of years ago. But Darius Williams is a guy who in his final five games, um, I know was also highly regarded. So he has started this year, maybe on the outside opposite of Jalen Ramsey, potentially pushing Troy Hill on the inside. And in the first game, at least if you trust advanced numbers and all this kind of stuff, which I use a lot of advanced stats, but at the same time, I think everybody has to be skeptical about where this stuff is coming from and, yeah. <laughs> and who's doing it. Um, but according to them, you know, Troy Hill was targeted six times. He allowed six catches. It wasn't a good. Uh, so it's potentially, they potentially, it's only one game, have a, have a weakness in a slot, but also the Cowboys have three really good receivers and, uh, you know, they're going to use their tight ends and, uh, not, not like they did previously with Jason Witten, of course, but, uh, it's, it's a lot of new players. Uh, and I'm not entirely familiar with how Leonard Floyd played in the, in coverage, uh, with the bears. Um, I don't think it was great but I, i'm not entirely familiar plus i don't know that he won't be better this season you know what right. i mean so, because right. we've already seen him get a sack and that wasn't expected either defensively the rams actually they they are quite a bit different than they were a year ago and the first week results were pretty good so that's something that they're uh hoping to see more of i think that against dallas goddard and uh, zach Ertz, 
every defense is in trouble. Right. <laughs> That's right. No, it's a good point. Well, we'll step away. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll flip the side. We'll flip the fields, and uh, we'll talk a little Eagles offense. Uh, probably a little Eagles uh, defense against the Rams offense. And uh, that's coming up next year on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about little Eagles defense uh, against the Rams offense. And one of the things we always focus on because they were drafted number one and number two in the draft is the Carson Wentz, Jared Goff versus Carson Wentz comparison. And at the start of it, Carson Wentz was clearly head and shoulders above of Jared Goff. Carson had a couple injury-plagued years after 2017. Goff took the Rams to a Super Bowl. Seems like uh, both guys both guys have some question marks towards them right now. Wentz had a terrible game on Sunday, especially in the second half. Goff had a, had a, a very a subpar year last year. Definitely not as good as his Super Bowl season last season. And so now you've got both these young guys drafted one and two in the draft a few years ago, facing off each other again. It'll be the second time because uh, in the second game, it was Nick Foles who uh, took the field against, uh, against the Rams uh, in 2018. This year you've got, it'll be Goff and it'll be, it'll be Wentz. So, I'm just kind of looking forward for your, looking for your general thoughts on Jared Goff as an NFL quarterback. In week one, 20 of 31, 275, no touchdowns and an interception. Are you bullish on Goff or are you among the many pessimists who are out there? You know, to be honest, I was, and I'm always going to be honest, just to let everyone know, I'm not just being honest <laughs> this one time. The whole time I'm honest. I didn't ever thought that Jared Goff had played that well throughout his career, even before last season. Um, even going to the Super Bowl, I thought that he still had a lot to improve upon and that the Rams had, you know, made the Super Bowl that year with him and not with him hurting him. And he, he didn't hurt them necessarily, uh, but there just wasn't a lot I felt he was adding to this very talented uh, group of players around him and this very um, innovative and, and smart and well-mature uh, beyond his years, head coach, and everything was working so well, but didn't feel that Jared Goff was doing a lot to elevate those around him in 2018. So even at that point, going into 2019, um, I was very uh, confident, you know, and I, I don't have any type of confidence anymore. I don't want to, you know, I, I'm not, uh, <laughs> at the time, though, I was very confident that just Jared Goff was going to have a bad season and that people would start to maybe see what uh, I had felt I had seen in 2018 leading into that Super Bowl. And sure enough, you know, he had a very poor 2019 season. And it kind of has also come back around for me that's like, well, I don't necessarily think he's as good as 2018 or as bad as 2019. I think he'll bounce back up. Um, and especially because I thought, because he was elevated by those around him, he was going to perform worse when Todd Gurley couldn't do the things that Todd Gurley used to do and Brandon Cooks couldn't do the things that Brandon Cooks used to do and their uh, former Pro Bowl center, John Sullivan, had retired. Um, there was a lot of things going on. They had a lot of offensive line injuries and Jared Goff could not elevate those around him, so they didn't necessarily – have the season that they wanted to and they still went nine and seven and fell you know a missed field goal basically shy of going ten and six and maybe making the playoffs so yeah. it was very um there were still a lot of things working but i do think that going into this season i was like okay jared goff has an opportunity here that the offensive line um has a full off season to really they you know the rams didn't make any changes which a lot of fans were upset with 
But at the same time, I think it gave them an advantage, uh, especially in this crazy pandemic year, to have that continuity, to bring everyone back, that it was familiar with the system, McVeigh and each other, and uh, maybe they could just find the right combination of five guys, and they performed really well on uh, on Sunday night against the Cowboys. Uh, so those things seem to have improved, and Jared Goff didn't have a fantastic statistical night, although – you know, these are things like with statistics, you know, they had two Malcolm Brown touchdowns from the one or basically yeah. very short rushing touchdowns. What if McVay had called passing plays? Right. Then all of a sudden Jared Goff has two touchdowns and people think he has a good night. Right. It, it doesn't really make that big of a difference on the stat line. I thought he uh, looked okay. And I, I continue to think that he's like maybe an average quarterback. Uh, and that's, that's about where I'd say I am, which is, probably higher than it was a year ago. Yeah, I mean, if, if you've got a quarterback and you, you've got a team with a lot of talent around you, as long as you're not hurting your team, you can Trent Dilfer your way to the Super Bowl. But uh, if, if you're hurting your team, that's where, that's where the issues come in. If you're inaccurate, if you're throwing interceptions all over the place. And uh, when, Goff was, when Goff was dealing it pretty well uh, in, uh, in, in 2018, it was, uh, it was mostly because he was incredibly accurate for, for big stretches. Uh, so I, I was impressed with him in, 20, in 2018, but I just didn't know how long it would be able, he'd be able to sustain it. And uh, clearly he wasn't able to sustain it last year. Um, the Eagle, Eagles fans who are familiar with the Rams most associate the Rams, I think probably with Todd Gurley uh, outside of Sean McVay, if we're, talking about, if we're talking about players. And obviously Todd Gurley is now an Atlanta Falcon. So uh, a, a different identity in the backfield. McVay, you wrote about this this week, I think, uh, talking about the, the, the running back situation and how McVay is going to use these different guys. You've got Malcolm Brown, who you mentioned ran for two touchdowns. Uh, he got 18 carries for 79 yards uh, on Sunday night. You've got uh, this year's second round pick, Cam Akers, who was the, the Rams' first overall pick because they had didn't have a first round pick and uh, running back Daryl Henderson. So you've got three guys here. It looks to me based off of what we saw on Sunday night that Brown will probably get the bulk of the carries, but you know, you've got a guy in Cam Akers who I am sure there's a reason McVay wanted him with the first overall pick that they had list this past year. How do you see the, the bulk of the looks going against the Eagles on Sunday? Um, it's yeah, it's uh, it's, it's another one that's going to be tough to project at least as far as what Sean McVay has in mind other than the fact that, you know, you spend day two picks on running backs, especially if you spend day two picks on running backs two years in a row, as they did because Daryl Henderson was a third rounder and, yeah, Cam Akers was a second rounder. Uh, so you spend these picks. The reality for me remains that Malcolm Brown is not, you know, a starting running back. He's not the type of guy that you give 18 carries to unless you go into a week one game with a rookie who's never played and a second-year player who didn't play that well as a rookie and then missed – basically all of the padded practices in training camp. That's the only reason that Malcolm Brown got as many snaps as he did, in my opinion. What does work for Brown's favor going forward is probably his pass protection and his run blocking and his, uh, you know, his experience and the fact that McVay can probably trust him, that he knows the plays. This is his sixth year or fifth year with the Rams, meaning he's been here for the entire time with Sean McVay and then some. Mm. So Malcolm Brown is familiar with Jared Goff. Jared Goff knows Malcolm Brown. Like even if Cam Akers and Dale Henderson have twice as much talent as Malcolm Brown, whatever that even means, um, the, the fact of the matter is that neither one of them was performed in the NFL and Cam Akers did not uh, do anything 
spectacular in his debut, not that he should have, not that he necessarily uh, was meant to or that a player in his first game is supposed to do that, but he was the only player to break a tackle for the Rams, uh, at least among the running backs. Um, He's probably the only one that probably will have that ability to do it, maybe Daryl Henderson, but that's what he was special at at Florida State. It's probably the reason that the Rams drafted him because they knew that they had some offensive line issues that they might have to work through for the next couple of years while they're cam- uh, hamstrung on the cap. You know, they don't have any money to spend, so they can't get any better at offensive line. It's mm-hmm. got to be like Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein who are being paid. Uh, and then they've got Austin Blythe at uh, center, Austin Corbett at uh, guard, and Joe Nopum. And these guys may or may not, you know, they're going to probably have their ups and downs. And so Cam Akers, um, is a, is a, he was able to break tackles behind the worst offensive line in college football last year. And that's the reason he's there. Joe Henderson, you know, is very productive in college and uh, can do uh, maybe exciting things. But he just, even with Todd Gurley not playing well last season and Daryl Henderson as a third-round rookie, uh, that was right there. You know, people say that like running backs don't matter and that they're interchangeable, but Daryl Henderson was right there. If, if, if uh, Todd Gurley, you know, was able to be an MVP candidate in 2017 and 2018 with this offensive line and this scheme and, and this quarterback and this coach, then why couldn't Daryl Henderson just come in there and at least come close to that? You know, it's because Todd Gurley could do special things. That's why he was a top 10 pick. Uh, and they don't know that they have that anymore. Uh, they want that in Cam Akers. Maybe that's what Cam Akers will turn out to be one year, but uh, he just didn't have any preseason. He didn't have the right kind of uh, or a normal training camp or mini camp. There's a lot of things holding those guys back. So this week against the Eagles, you're right. It's probably a good bet to see Malcolm Brown the most. Um, but if Daryl Henderson, pro- you know, I, I could see Daryl Henderson who had five snaps last week. Like I said, he was injured uh, with a hamstring issue in training camp, but you could see Daryl Henderson maybe uh, taking some of those snaps away from Malcolm Brown, uh, or maybe it'll just depend. Maybe if one guy breaks off a big run and feels, and the coach starts to feel like, well, let's just see if this guy can do it again. Uh, yeah. That could be the momentum. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you ride the hot hand, right? When you've got kind of three guys and you've got a running back by committee, that's, that's generally what happens. And so um, it, it's, I agree with you. I think Malcolm Brown is probably not your franchise guy, but um, sometimes, you know, it's funny. These running backs surprise you. You know, you never know who's going to be the guy. Boston Scott was certainly a surprise for the Eagles last year. He's not a franchise running back uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, you never know with the running back spot. Any Guys can pop up and, and be productive players. Um, one of the guys who I think when he left really hurt, or when he got hurt a, a couple of years ago, he really it really helped submarine uh, both the offense and, uh, and, and Jared Goff, and that's Cooper Cup. I think uh, Cup and, and Woods obviously are a tremendous duo there. And the Eagles' cornerback uh, situation is still kind of up in the air for, for a lot of us. We know Darius Slay is probably going to be on Robert Woods pretty much the whole game. And Nickel Roby Coleman, as you, as you just mentioned, former Ram now, the Eagles' slot cornerback, will probably be on Cup. With specifically with that matchup, uh, Rams wide receivers against the Eagles secondary. Uh, how do you see how whose whose favor do you see on that one? I you know the one guy if 
you know, if, if Darius Slay and I mean Cooper, I like Cooper Cup. You know, I think Cooper Cup's really good. I think Nickel Roby Coleman is fine. I don't know that you know, even if he is one of the better slot corners. A, you know, as Eagles fans will always and forever attest to, as I've especially learned this week, y'all are afraid of cornerback free agents. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, yeah. So, you know, Nickel Roby Coleman versus Cooper Cup. I mean, I think Cooper Cup is awesome. Uh, you know, he makes a few mistakes here and there, but um, I think that's a good matchup. And I think that Robert Woods is, is also just a very good player. And about Darius Slay, you know, players in the NFL respect the hell out of this guy. And, uh, you know, he hasn't had the, the, maybe the quote unquote advanced stats again, analytics and stuff as some other cornerbacks in the last year or two or whatever, Mm -hmm. but with Jim Schwartz, you know, and and putting in that position, certainly, I, I mean, I could see, uh, the way the players talk about him, and all at least, and, and the way that the Eagles paid him, it's it's uh, expected that he's going to be able to handle guys of any level, uh, yeah. including Robert Woods or Cooper Cup or or whoever. Maybe the guy that has the biggest uh, opportunity here, if uh, if the Eagles have uh, an opportunity. Uh, potential weak spot in the secondary i mean i don't know how you guys feel i don't know anything really about how you guys feel about avanti maddox or or, uh, craven leblanc Uh, we like avante i think avante is size limited uh so that that's an issue for him but he's got some good athleticism his rookie season back in 2018 he really flashed it looked like he was going to be maybe a star cornerback and he took a step back last year and missed some games so i think He's the number two, and I think he earned the number two spot in training camp. And people love Strap. Craven LeBlanc is a, is a is a locker room favorite, and he comes up with some big plays in in in, mm-hmm. in a lot of different games. So I mean, again, he's not a star cornerback. He can get beat. All these guys, with the exception of Darius Slay, and even Slay will get beat once in a while. But all of these Eagles cornerbacks definitely have downsides to them. Uh, but they can but they can make plays if they if they are in the right situation, and if Jim Schwartz is calling the right defenses, if he's not leaving his guys out on an island unnecessarily and if they're getting help from the safeties and that's one of the Mm -hmm. issues with Malcolm Jenkins leaving and Jalen Mills taking his spot no one's really sure exactly how that's going to work out it didn't look great on uh, in week one it seemed there's a lot of miscommunication there and I guess maybe a lot of that is to be expected yeah uh yeah well then on the other side I guess it's uh somewhat similar is that the Rams um Number three receiver. It, well, there's there's two guys. One is Josh Reynolds, who's been around for a few years, and he's just pretty limited as a receiver. I think Sean McVay. You know, there's other things that receivers do, like blocking, and uh, just again, like he's the Malcolm Brown of receivers, kind of. So that's going to be Josh Reynolds. Um, but the really exciting guy is Van Jefferson. He was a second round pick. He's a rookie, uh, 58th overall. He went five spots after Cam Akers. And he comes out of Florida. His dad, Sean Jefferson, was an NFL receiver that uh, was on the Lions, I believe. Because uh, mm-hmm. he was either on the Lions or he was a Lions coach or both. Um, but uh, Sean Jefferson, he was like Calvin Johnson's receiver coach. Uh, he, he's coached some of the best receivers. He's done some really nice – he's regarded as one of the best receivers coaches in the NFL. And his son is Van Jefferson. And uh, he had uh, – I thought that – the selection of Jefferson in this year with the pandemic and stuff, it felt like a guy who uh, might be able to come in a little bit more 
acclimated and ready for the NFL because he had grown around it his whole life. He, he had a, a guy, a coach right there in his home who could be like, yeah. well, you're not going to have camp this. You're not going to have working mini camp here, this, but this is what you would have done. And let's get this and ask the coach for this and tell him that and work on these things. And Van Jefferson had a really good training camp by reports, which who knows how you're supposed to believe those. Right. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the guys we heard had great camps, had a terrible week one. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Uh, but, you know, there was like a videos coming out of like, oh, here he is beating Jalen Ramsey and, and here he is doing this. And then in week one, he had like a 31 yard reception and he just barely missed a very big catch. Um, so that's a guy who maybe on that other side, if, if there's an opening for them, uh, Van Jefferson is a guy who um, could be very, very good. Mm-hmm. And uh whether or not that'll happen this week or not, you know, who knows. But if the other options are th- aren't, aren't there, I don't think that Jared Goff is afraid to go to Van Jefferson. Okay. Well, let's – I mean, basically, I think um, the odds makers haven't known really what to do with this game because when it first opened on late Sunday afternoon, I think the Eagles were two- or three-point favorites. That line has shifted big time. I think the Rams I've seen now in most places are one- or two-point favorites on the road in Philadelphia. So – a, does that line sound about right to you? And I guess let's just jump in, jump right into predictions. How do you see this game going on Sunday? Um, you know, as far as the line uh, goes and the matchup, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, there's so much about these things that these teams that is similar. You know, they they really feel like mirror images of each other in so many ways. Right down from the quarterbacks to Donald and Cox to Slay and Ramsey uh, to being in the Super Bowl, it's like there are so many similarities. Uh, Neither team has linebackers. <laughs> yeah, no linebackers. They were nine and seven. Seven last season right it's uh it's all it's all pretty close I think that obviously the Rams you know week one is overrated in many respects but do the Rams feel better right now literally and figuratively you know they're healthier uh such a good day on defense and maybe they just already feel comfortable that they had offense in that maybe that they're going to feel confident like okay we can figure out the offense and the defense actually looks good let's go beat a team that doesn't feel good and didn't protect its quarterback and let's get Aaron Donald four sacks and let's, let's just do that on defense. And uh, yeah, I think that they're going to be confident. I don't really uh, like doing predictions in terms of uh, scores and stuff like that. Um, But uh, I think I'll say the same thing that I said um, in the five Q's uh, in the Q and a exchange with Brandon Lee Gowton, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, basically what I just said and that it wouldn't surprise me if the Rams were two and O, but um, to win on the road and to beat, uh, you know, Doug Peterson's never started Owen two. I think um, Philadelphia is equally as capable of winning the game, but uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good, it's a, it is a good close matchup and I think it'll be the best game of Sunday morning. Yeah, no, I think it's a coin flip too. And uh, you mentioned it's Sunday morning. It is tough for the West Coast team to travel East Coast and play uh, what's essentially for them a 10 a.m. game as opposed to something later in the afternoon. Yeah, is there an East? Is there an East Coast equivalent of that? Is there a game? Is there an area you don't like to play in? Well, I think anytime they go out to the to the West Coast, it it messes it messes up with your clock a little bit, you know. So I think that's uh-huh. you know, unless both teams are flying to London, you know, that's kind of even oh, <laughs> in yeah. that situation because both teams have 
have the same disadvantage. So I, I think it does hurt for, for it's just the, that long travel from East Coast to West Coast. And especially in COVID, you know, we haven't seen any, any sports league try to do this have west coast teams go to the east coast east coast teams go to the west coast and yeah. all that so i think that's going to be interesting to see how that all sh- how that all works out during the course of the season but uh without fans in the stands obviously it'll be a little bit easier to play i think in philadelphia it's just that body clock thing can sometimes uh mess with the player a little <laughs> bit yeah messes with us anyway um <laughs> all right well listen folks make sure you are checking out everything that's going on over at turf show times to get an inside look on what's uh, going on with the upcoming opponent the los angeles rams this sunday Follow Kenneth Arthur on Twitter at Kenneth Arthur S. Kenneth, thanks so much for coming on. I own the enemy, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was fun. All right, prediction time here. And I got to admit, I picked the Eagles to win last week, but I didn't feel great about it. Uh, it just felt like the injuries were kind of piling up and there's just not a good vibe that this team had uh, going into the nation's capital last week. But I, I missed that game. So uh, so I'm 0-1 now on the Eagles season. And as the Eagles uh, have their home opener, obviously they're not going to have the juice that the fans in the stands would normally give them. But as you heard me mentioned to Kenneth just a second ago, I do think there there is a little bit of a something about a team having to travel from the West Coast to the East Coast and play a game which, by their body clock, would be in the morning. Doug Peterson has had Sean McVay's number uh, in the two times that uh, these two head coaches have met. Sean McVay gets all the publicity, gets all the press, gets all the accolades. He's the young genius, and Doug Peterson gets absolutely none of that. And yet, when you look at these two head coaches, one of these guys went up against Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl and approached Bill Belichick as an equal and outcoached him, outmaneuvered him, and beat the greatest head coach in NFL history for a Super Bowl title. The next year, the very uh, the Rams head coach, Sean McVay, the genius, the young guru, when he, I, I'll never forget after the Super Bowl aired, when they had the NFL films inside the Super Bowl show come out and they had Sean McVay just going up to Bill Mc, uh, uh, going up to uh, Bill Belichick and just gushing about how much he respects Bill and oh it's such an honor to be on the field if I'd have heard that before the game I didn't I could have told you exactly what was going to happen he got intimidated by Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots he was intimidated in the Super Bowl and that is one of the reasons why the Rams scored three points in that game of course Jared Goff also being pretty awful in that game had something to do with it but I just think that, that there's a difference. And, and we know Doug Peterson's not perfect. Doug Peterson had a bad week last week. Doug Peterson has bad weeks. He has weeks where he doesn't do the right thing, where he doesn't put his players in a position to succeed. It is still an open question how he's going to work with Rick Scangarello and all the other offensive minds that they have brought to Philadelphia. I do think this Eagles team is better coached than, this, than, than the Rams are. I think I think Doug Peterson is a better coach than Sean McVay. I'm not trying to take anything away from McVay. McVay's a good head coach, but people go overboard with the comparisons at the expense of Doug Peterson, which I think is just fine with Doug, and it plays in the Eagles' favor, I think, sometimes. So have at it, national media. But I think if we're looking at these two teams, I do agree with Kenneth that these are two very evenly matched teams. These two teams, I think, are very similar to each other in their strengths and weaknesses. I think they, uh, I think the Eagles have a quarterback with a higher ceiling, and when Carson Wentz is on his game, there are three or four quarterbacks better than him in the league, and that's about it. But we've also seen that that can flip on a dime, that Carson Wentz can be red hot, and then he can go ice cold. And the offensive coaching staff needs to be watching what's happening in real time and reacting to it, unlike last week. They need to hopefully have Miles Sanders back this week. Having some semblance of a running game is what helps open up the play-action game. It's really hard for to, to get a defense to bite on play-action 
if you're not going to run the football. And Boston Scott and Corey Clement are nice players, but they're not going to run 30 times a game and, and make defenders stop crowding, uh, stop rushing the passer with their hair on fire. So uh, they have to have Miles Sanders back, and we don't know exactly if that's going to happen. Uh, we do know that Brandon Graham returned to practice on Thursday, so that's a good sign. It looks like he's progressing from the concussion protocol. Lane Johnson has said that he is going to play. That's going to make a big difference on the offensive line. And that's why I think the Eagles will ultimately win this football game. Doug Peterson has never started 0-2. Uh, I think this is a this is too good a football team to go down that rabbit hole. I think the Rams are a flawed team. I don't think they're a great team. I don't even know if they're a really good team. I think they're probably an above-average team. Not a whole lot different than the Philadelphia Eagles at this point. But I do think being at home, not having to travel, not having to be the team that flies three hours in the other direction and has to mess up their body clock, I think that plays in the Eagles factor. And I think just the way the Rams are coming off their Sunday night win over the Dallas Cowboys, maybe just take a small step back and the Eagles will take a small step forward. I think this is a tight game. I think the Eagles offense performs a little bit better here. And I'm going to say Eagles 30 Rams 24. And that's uh, how I see this thing going on Sunday afternoon. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of eye on the enemy. Once again, Thanks to Kenneth Arthur from Turf Show Times for coming on and give us an in, giving us an inside look on what's going on with the Los Angeles Rams. Folks, check out all of the podcasts we have for you here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed because we are giving you a ton of different voices every single week with their insights on this football team and what they're going to do each and every week. You've got the Kist and Solek Show. You've got BGN Radio. You've got Babes on, Babes on Broads. You've got Seamus with his show uh, uh, Behind the Bleachers. It's is a cornucopia of podcasts for you to listen to. And so hopefully you're able to download all of them and at least listen to some of them and give us a five-star rating at the bleeding green nation podcast feed. If you wouldn't mind, thanks everybody for tuning in and we will talk to you all next week here on eye on the enemy. <laughs>